Welcome everyone to the fourth episode of The Outrage. I'm Spencer Byers here with Al at Big Al, Al at Kevion. What's going on, Spencer? Al, we got a great show going on today. We got NHL, MLB playoffs. The NHL season just started. We got some more, of course, NFL action with the Thursday night happening yesterday. You, That's, I... you mean that snooze fest? Oh, no, another one. Two weeks in a row. Gotta love it. At least they scored a touchdown. At least it's that little improvements out. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, sure. You, All right. you, you gotta, love, gotta love little things in life. They finally got a touchdown on the board on the Thursday night or after yeah, by the way, a week. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the uh, Washington Commanders and uh, the Chicago Bears. The Commies. My yeah. The commies. Anyways, that, that atrocious game. Atrocious. Atrocious. Absolutely brutal. Anyways. And anyways, as I said, we're going to talk with the NHL. The season has just begun. It began a little bit earlier this week, at least officially. Obviously, the um, if I remember, it was the Sharks and the Predators played in uh, Prague in mm-hmm. the Czech Republic, and they played those two games with the uh, Nashville Predators obviously getting two wins on the Sharks because the Sharks are awful, as I said last week, where I predicted them to be last. It's anyway. not, a bad, uh, not a bad prediction so far. Oh, because they're awful. They're an awful roster. But anyway. October 14th today, by the way, the day we're recording this episode. Yeah, I'm hoping to get this up. We're recording on a Friday because I got to go home to get some passport stuff done. And you got to do more hockey because, you know, refing and stuff, money and stuff. Yeah, college. hockey Hockey is basically my life uh, outside of school. So, yeah. Which which is fantastic for someone. It's but, pretty good. But we're going to start with the Leafs. Cause, the Leafs. Because we always start with the Leafs. Because yep. as the great way Ray Williams would say, Al, market. You got to pertain to your market. And obviously this goes out worldwide, but the Leafs are probably the biggest, most notable NHL team in, in hockey. So they're probably the one with the biggest uh, pull. Anyway, they won yesterday against the Washington Capitals 3-2. to two. They lost. Thank goodness for that. Yeah, yeah, they lost the night before, two days ago, to the Montreal Canadiens 4-3 on a, set, on a uh, game-winning goal by... By Josh Anderson with 17 seconds left in the hockey game. Al, what were your thoughts of the first two games here for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, here's the thing, all right? I'm not totally disappointed with the start, even though they should have beat the Montreal Canadiens considering the Habs didn't win a single preseason game. Um, <laughs> and against Washington, yeah, it's a tougher matchup, but let's not forget who was in net for the Capitals. Uh, they're also, they were also on a back-to-back. Uh, Charlie Lindgren, former Montreal Canadiens goaltender. So considering his record, he actually, I was surprised. He came into this game with a 5-0 and record and a 9.58 save percentage. And then I was like, is this the same Charlie Lindgren that we saw in Montreal? And it turns out it was. Just he didn't get that record in Montreal last season, uh, I found out it was actually with the St. Louis Blues, and then that didn't really surprise me that much because the St. Louis Blues have a solid roster. You know, you look at Vladimir Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly, uh, let's not forget Jordan Cairo, Sarnia Sting alumni. Jordan Bennington, almost an attack alumni. Had to. I don't want to talk about him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, like, I like the way the Leafs have started off the year, even though they did lose their season opener in Montreal. But there was nothing, there wasn't, they weren't playing horribly. I just think that Montreal had a game plan going into it, which was play a fast game, use the youth to the advantage. Obviously, Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield are a deadly combo, and they're going to be for years to come. But I didn't have a problem with the way they played. I thought the Leafs had a sound game. They were clearly the more dominant team. It's just a matter of there's a one only one too many times you can give a team an opportunity to stick around into the game. And the tw- two times that the Leafs did do that, while the Habs stuck around. And here's the thing. 
the Leafs still suck at defending two-on-ones. All right? That's their main issue, and... You know, you can look at the way the Josh Anderson goal was scored. Yeah, Jake Muzzin, he's a veteran. He's been in the league for a long time now. He's won a Stanley Cup with the LA Kings. Um, you just can't have those kinds of mistakes happening. And then you look at where Justin Hall was on that goal, and he was on his knees, basically half-screening Murray, who was end up who ended up guessing where that puck was going. Guessed wrong. Um, Habs obviously had Matt Murray pre-scouted. They know, and most people know if they've seen Matt Murray play that, his glove side is definitely his weakness, and if you look at where the goals were scored, well, all of them were on the glove side. So three, three to four. Yeah. So you look at something like that, and you go, okay. I was concerned with the goaltending coming into the season. I'm still concerned after watching the Capitals game last night, and I'm st- still concerned after that game in Montreal. But I will say this. My concerns have—the levels have dropped— because although they are, there's some goals. There's definitely the the one Ilya Samsonov let in. That that shoulder was awful. The the one I believe it was Marcus Johansson who scored. Yep, it. yeah, it was that one. That, that was, was any goalie in the league, nine out of ten times stops that shot. And then you look at the goal that Cole Caulfield scored. It's his first one because Caulfield had a, had a multi goal goal night in their home opener. I, that was one of those where I'm like, ah, Murray, come on, you got to have that. And Murray's a big guy. Don't get me wrong, like it was glove side, but at the same time, like his entire body was on the side, that side of the post where Mm -hmm. he could have easily just puffed up his chest a little bit and it stopped, right? So it's not, I'm not ready to, I mean, I wouldn't hit the panic button regardless because it's only game two out of 82, right? So there's nothing to worry about it there. But I think Sheldon Keefe nailed it when he said the other night, it was careless. It wasn't much of a matter of lack of effort or... Uh, urgency, but it it was just there were a lot of careless plays in that game against Montreal, and that's why they lost. And I fully agree with that. And then you look at the game last night, Washington. If I'm Sheldon Keefe, I'm still not thrilled about that performance. The Leafs can easily be better. Now, don't get me wrong, 22 shots on net in the first period. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, but if you only score one goal, that's what the most. That make? That's the most first period shots the Leafs had in a, in quite some time, and in the sense that I heard on the broadcast yesterday that that was the most shots they had in the first period. Last season, they didn't even come close to that number. So I was really happy with that, but then they kind of took their foot off a little bit in the second. And I don't know, they just seem to let teams hang around. Like, mm-hmm. out of the two games I've watched, they give too much. They Not that they don't, tr- like, play a full hard game or whatever, but it's just, like, there's things that they do that allows other teams to hang around. And teams like Washington and Montreal, the Leafs right now should have four points mm. and should be 2-0. and But they're not. But they're also not 0-2. So you can't really be mad about it. Um, but yeah, I think I have to watch a few more games before I have a full read on what this Leafs season is going to be like. But the red flags aren't as bad as I anticipated them to be, which is good. I'm okay. I'm happy with being wrong when <laughs> it comes to predictions like that when I predict that it's someone's going to do bad. I'm, I love having teams prove me wrong because, well, it just goes to show that as much as they say they don't listen to social media, and I, I mean, obviously, they probably don't listen to our podcast, um, they hear, whether or not they are on social media or not, they still hear or have an idea of what's being talked about outside of the arena. By the way, speaking of arena, before I give you, uh, give you the reins again, uh, Spencer, Austin Matthews was quoted uh, last night after the game against the Washington Capitals 
Scotiabank Arena officially has a new nickname. Any guess on what it is? Not a chance. Not a chance, Al. So, for those of you who don't know, the Air Canada Centre, which is now called Scotiabank Arena, had the nickname of ACC, which mm-hmm. is pretty basic. Those are the three yeah, it's first letters. Right, it's, it's abbreviation. an abbreviation. Well, Scotiabank Arena, and I'm so glad the Senators didn't take this when they had Scotiabank Place many moons ago. Before it was Canadian Tire Center. Uh-huh. Anyways, Austin Matthews called Scotiabank Arena. This is not an abbreviation. This is a nickname. Okay. The Vault. The Vault. Yes. And I am all for it. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You Only can you tell. Would say that. You can tell. Whatever. Gonna, you can tell he's American. You can tell he's American. I like with that it. Take. I like it because you know what? I would much. I think the vault sounds a lot more badass than Scotiabank Arena. It's an arena. The vault. What the hell are you a banker? What are you? What are you hiding there? The millions. Scotiabank. Is he, is he hiding the eleven million dollars he's stealing from the, the Toronto Maple Leafs right nah, now? Is that what's he's going not on? Stealing it. Is, is that is that what's going on? Is that is that where John Tavares' contract is going? Thought, the vault. I thought it was cool. And I still think it's cool, and I'm going to make it, I'm going to try to make it stick. Every person I talk to, whenever I talk about Scotiabank Arena, I'm going to say the vault, and don't get me wrong, the first reaction I'm going to get is, what? Like, what, the, the vault? What do you, what you, like, what? And I'm going to be like, high? oh, like, this, this is what it is. So, um, as far as the Leafs go, don't panic yet. I like what I'm seeing. William Nylander looks really good. Dennis Malgin looks good. Callie Yarncroke is the guy that I've, I'm going to watch all season long. I like him. I'm a huge Yarn Croak fan, especially going back to when he was in Nashville. Um, but I will say this. I want... I know Nick Robertson was uh, sent to the Marlies, but man, that guy needs to be in the lineup. He needs... They, the Leafs need to find some space for him because... Don't get me wrong. I was a Nick Robertson hater for a long time after he was drafted. But after watching his preseason... He looks a lot better, and by that I just mean his game has matured. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look pan. He doesn't look like he's panicking when he's got the puck on his stick. He doesn't look like he's anxious to get it off of his stick. He looks like he's finally settling in mm-hmm. and looking to make something happen. And I mean, you know what? He has I mean, seven points in four preseason games. Three of those were goals, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see him up at some point. Um, Jake Muzzin and Justin Hall is a terrible pairing. Muzzin's a band-aid. Hall is just... His contract, man, is handcuffing the Leafs for a lot of potential great moves at the deadline. And you know what? I think the Leafs have enough defensive depth now in their system that they could afford to get rid of him. But who, but who would want I don't the know. I don't know. I don't, Arizona's picking up everything right now. Yeah. Chicago would be yeah. happy to have them. That, that's what I mean. It's like you have to pick out one of those teams that really need, like, don't, they need the draft pick. And do the Leafs want to ship out a second-round pick to do it? Because I don't know what his contract is off the top of my head. I know, I, I, I know there's the number. I It's either, I think it's a three-by-six. So three years, I think it's a bridge. You think it's six? No, there's bucks. no way. There's no way. I was gonna. That's awesome. No way. That's that really sounds. High. Maybe the numbers are reversed. Hold on. I'm actually gonna go. Uh, good friend, cap friendly over here. Because, because uh, um, I agree with you that they that there's quite I, a all few I know contracts. is that his money is like he has not shown that he's worth that money. And I heard this the other day too. I forget if it was Kipper on Sportsnet. Um, Nick Kiprios. Yeah, Nick Kiprios. Oh, what did he say, man? I had the thought in my head there. Um. There's a reason why Mike Babcock 
Didn't play him. Only played him 11 games when he was at the Reigns. Now, let's don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Mike Babcock's a smart guy. Yeah, I mean, he is a smart guy, but it's definitely his diminished. Tactics. It's definitely his... It's He's he's too old-fashioned, and the game's moved on from guys like him. Um, But yeah, there's a reason why Babcock only played him 11 games, and you know what? I'm, I'm seeing it now, and it's actually like... Muzzin and Hall can go. Mm-hmm. I'd be okay because I have confidence in the Marlies that they have guys that they could bring up. But if you're going to do it, you got to do it soon. Yeah. Muzzin, you can move him at the deadline. Fine. I'm okay with that. But Hall is not an NHLer. And I'm, I can't wait for Timothy Lilligren to come back from that hernia injury because, oh, man, it's hard to watch. And I played defense like when I, when I was in hockey. I'm not, not close to a professional at all. But let me tell you something. Two on ones was not something. I I will say this, didn't matter what team or what level I played for, I was probably one of the defensemen that got scored on the least when I was on the ice. Out of boy, Al. Out of boy, Jacob Slavin in the building. Hell yeah, um, Justin Hall, come up please. Uh, Justin Hall, let's but, see here. But no, the Leafs' defensive core and goaltending is what's going to hold them back. Oh obviously, my goodness, he's thirty years old. Ugh. He's a UFA at the end of next season. Right now, he's making two mil. So it's two mil. So it's a... It was a three-year deal, though. So it was a contract extension. Anyways, horrible contract, in my opinion. I think that money could have been spent somewhere else. And Obviously. This... Yeah, so... Oh, he's not even that big of a cap hit anymore on the team either. But, yeah, he, he yeah he's not... I can't believe I thought he was worth $6 million. That's so yeah, bad. Like, talk about overpayments. Like, uh, Yeah, I was going to say that. I know the Leafs are dumb, but that sounds like more of a contract that, like, Buffalo would do. Not even. Do you want to talk about that, by the way? What? what how Buffalo? how bad? Like, Buffalo signed a guy. I believe, last name Samuelson. Yep. Matias yeah. Samuelson. Seven-year deal. $30 million. 30 mil, and the guy hasn't even played a full NHL 54 season. 54 games last year. 54 oh, games. Oh, my goodness, Buffalo. You you guys were play. actually on the right track. And by the way. By the way. Buffalo, um, 4-1 win, I believe, against the Ottawa oh, Senators. Yep. Two of those empty netters, though. But still, watching the highlights, what a... That team... I'm not saying they're making the playoffs here. Let's because at the end of the day, Craig Anderson isn't net. But a team with Ottawa's caliber, like and roster, to beat them, mm-hmm. I'm impressed. Ottawa didn't look good either. Ottawa looked like absolute, absolute garbage. They looked like ten pounds of dung in a five pound bag. But yeah, um, if that. we want to talk money, I'm actually done talking about the Leafs. I've said enough about them. Um, why would they do that? I, I'm Is, thinking it's just because. They know they're not going to be a cap crunch for the next at least five years. So why does it matter? But you don't know that. Like, look at the way they played last night. I'm not saying they're going to play like this all year, but, but Buffalo's... Cap crunch? But they're not going to be in a cap crunch. Because who the heck... Right, because the, the cap's world... also going up, too. But, but who in the world are they going to pay $11 million to? Like, Al, even their best players, Alex Tuck. Teams K- buy in, Casey though. Casey Middlestat. Dylan Cousins. Tage Thompson. Tage Thompson. Owen Power. Owen Power. But Rasmus Dahlin. No, 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 no. Oh, Power doesn't count. He's still on his minor league deal. He's still on ELC. They're going to sign him whenever he's eligible to yeah, be but signed. Yeah, but that's three years from now. But I'm saying in the next five years, they don't have anyone going to get paid $11 million. Because even Owen Power, who is amazing. But you don't know that. Could be amazing. And I'm not saying they're going to, like, I'm not saying, it's not who you're going to spend 11 mil on. It's just like, I. it looks, I. it's still early. But it looks like Buffalo has grown, and it looks like they're taking. They finally taken that step. Mm-hmm. They're doing everything right. But then they go ahead and like that contract is garbage. Now, but Al, this is the problem. 
And this is the problem with, I'll say, and most teams. In Buffalo major still has 18 million in cap. But that's what I mean. Like they, they are not going to be in a cap crunch. Like they're just, they're not going to be in a cap crunch. Not right now, but I mean, because even Ocpozo's deal, I'm pretty sure is still that nasty deal he had with the Islanders. I'm not sure. Kyle Ocpozo isn't really relevant to me anymore in this well, league. Well, he's a captain of that team, and he seems to be a leader. Doesn't, they seem to like him. Doesn't which, mean he's relevant. Well, it means relevant to the, the the Buffalo community. But anyway, like. That's the problem, is when you sign a guy to that type of contract, yeah. you can go one or two. It's the same with the Stutzler contract. That, uh, it's, it's, you're that, that's also potential. a dumb deal. No, you're buying potential. If Stutzler becomes a player, I'll say the mass majority of people believe he could be, and I'm included in that, I think Tim Stutzler could be an absolute star. Oh, yeah. I just don't think now is the right time to sign him to a huge deal like that. But then again, Ottawa kind of saves money if you think about it. If because it if pans he, out, if he does, if he pans out, if he goes off, yeah, that's the thing with Samuelson. Is if if Samuelson's peak is a top two defenseman beside Darlene or a top four defenseman behind Power and Darlene, four million dollars AAV is not that bad. AAV annual val a- 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 annual value basically. So, like that's not bad. Like that is not bad. Obviously, they're doing it really early, and it could. It very well could be an albatross in two years. It very well could be. They could try to bury him in the minors, like lots of other teams have done, including the least with David Clarkson's contract, which was about the same, shorter term, but about the same um, same uh, cash per year. Cap it. Did we talk about Jason Robertson's deal? No, we have the not. The four-year seven mil? No, we did not. I don't think. Because I was right after Stutzla, I believe. So I think Robertson should have had the term that Stutzla had. Say dollar amount, basically. And Robertson should have gotten also the... I think they should have swapped deals. Um, a guy like Jason Robertson, that carries him conveniently for him. The only reason why it's a good deal for Jason Robertson is because when that contract expires, he goes on the market. No, but you... Okay. The problem with what Robertson signed is I think he knows Dallas is not going to give him what he what he's worth... Right now, because of Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan's absolute, oh, those con- yeah, those contracts absolute are, yeah. disgusting contracts that are still got quite a long term. I believe both have about two to three years, if not more, left. Yeah, they're, they're not good. So that's the problem. Is Robertson knew in the back of his mind that they're not going to give me eight years. So just take what you can get. So take now, the okay. bridge, okay. and in four years or three years, when we can go back to the negotiating table, maybe I can get 10 or $11 Because think about it. He- if he does this for three more years, like three years in a row, three years of basically point per game, if not more than point per game. I think he does. I mean— I, I think he does, too. He's, and yeah. he's going to be—if if the Dallas Stars are going to be a playoff team and are going to be one of the top teams in the West, it's going to be because of Jason Robertson, because of Rupe Hintz, who I have my fantasy team, by the way. Miro Haskinen. Because of Miro Haskinen. Jake Ottinger. Jake Ottinger. Those guys are going to be the reason. It's not going to be because of Tyler Sagan and Jimmy Ben. It's not. No. Those— Sagan has a chance with those other guys of becoming the player he used to be, or at least having point totals of that guy he used to be with Boston and then later with Dallas. Yeah. Ben is probably done. Ben's a couple years older. I think he's 36, maybe turning 37 now. His contract is disgusting. He played that power forward role, which when you play a physical game like Jamie Ben, like Ryan Getzlaff, when you go downhill, it's nigh impossible to go back up. Yeah, unlike, absolutely. unlike players like Sagan, who are pure passers, who can dial it back up when you got better scorers like Jason Robertson, like Rupe Hintz, around you to be able to help you up. So right. that is what makes me feel confident that Dallas 
is going to sign Robertson to that eight-year, $10 million, $12 million, especially when the cap goes up in four years. Because in four years, the cap could be up, you know, eight, nine, ten million dollars. So while knowing how it was supposed to go up, wasn't it supposed to go up like five million? Yeah, I think it's still, that was, this I, was before think, COVID. Yeah, I think it's still going to go up five million. I think it's next year it's supposed to, or they're projecting what the next cap jump is going to be about five million. Yeah. But anyway, I, I mean, yeah, the cap is weird because every time they say it'll go up a Jurassic amount, it doesn't. Um, so we'll see about that. But um, when it comes to rookies. Uh, this upcoming season. Two guys I've had on my radar so far would probably be Shane Wright because a lot of people claim he is overhyped. Well, yeah, I'm was... going to throw in Urias Lefkowski. Well, yeah, of course. First and pick. I'm also going to throw in Mason McTavish, who plays for the Ana- Anaheim Ducks and looks really, really, really good over there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. And rookies I like. Um... I was I drafted Slakovsky in our, our fantasy league. Um, I really like I really like him. That. I would have drafted Caulfield. Oh no, I would have drafted Caulfield too. I love Cole Caulfield. I loved him coming out of Wisconsin. I would have. Did he go? Did he go before you? Well, yeah, oh, okay, definitely, okay. definitely. Right. Slakovsky. Where do you anyway, go? Where do you go in your? I'll 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 recheck. But right. I I pretty early, well, early ish. He went in the mid rounds. Okay, that's not. Bad. But I I can tell you when he got drafted, when he fell in that draft, I was screaming at my television because I loved him coming out of that draft because I knew what he was following. And so then we had to bring Cat went in the second round. We're talking about Shane right now? No, we're talking about Ca- Caulfield. Oh, Caulfield. Okay, my bad. Sorry, I had to no, keep the up there. Reason, No, the reason why Caulfield fell is because he's 5'8", because he's small. Oh, yeah, And absolutely. the same thing happened with Debrinkit. Debrinkit's, I think, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, so he dropped the second yeah, round. big. Like, that's my problem, is I knew he was dropping because of his size. It's like, this guy's a goal scorer. This guy scores goals and the for game, fun. And the game's changing, too, right? Like, mm. it's, this game, the, the way the game's going now, you it allows for smaller players to play. Like, I'm not sure... When I think of small players, I think of Nathan Gerby because mm. he's like what five five, five four, five four, he's five four. Played a played actually a decent amount of years in the NHL, by the way. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking, I'm like, man, what if he would have played now? His career started now. I'm not saying he would have been a superstar, but do I think his career would have gone differently in the sense that he might not have moved around as much and yada yada yada. Yeah, played more NHL games for sure. But when it comes to rookies, um, Mason McTavish looking really good. He's getting power play minutes. With the Ducks, and it looks like th- this will be his first full season in the NHL, and I'm really happy for him. He should have played last year, to be honest. I thought last year, here, it's fifty-fifty for me. Like the fact that he didn't play didn't bother me, but the fact that he like could have like, I I like the way it went. Regardless, it didn't make me go, "Oh, are you crazy for not playing?" But at the same time, I'm like, "Okay, I get why you didn't want to play him," which is fine. Mm-hmm. Then we have Shane Wright. The guy played six minutes. In game one for Seattle. Do you know how hot the bench gets when you ride the pine for that long? <laughs> no, I'll, I wouldn't. I wouldn't honest. know either. Right? <laughs> I've never, I couldn't believe it. This guy here, and we were talking about it before we, we started recording this podcast. Should he even be in the NHL? At this point, if you're going to play him six minutes, no. Like, there's not even, like, as I heard everyone saying, just let him play the, the nine games. Because in the NHL, if you don't know, you're allowed to play, you're allowed to play ten any, games any and then player. you burn. Yeah, no, it's, it's nine. No, if like, yeah, games, if you hit 10, you burn yeah, it. Yeah, you burn yeah. a year off the, the entry level. Yeah, so basically what NHL teams can do, they can send any player that is still eligible to play in the CHL back down. I think it's 19 or younger. I think they're going I think the they're CHL. going to send them down. But I think they're going to go... They have to. But, th- yeah. But just, just to make sure I get this explained. All right. So you have to play, if you play nine games or less, you don't burn your first year of your entry-level contract, your yep. e- ELC. 
and you can get sent back down to the CHL. After you hit 10 games, you cannot go back to the CHL because you've used your first uh, NHL contract. And you're considered and you have, a pro. And you have to go down to the AHL. Yeah, because you're considered a, a pro. Because you're considered a pro, and you can't, you can't be a yeah. professional and play in a junior league. Yeah. Anyway, so I think he should be back in Kingston right now. He should not be in the NHL. And I know their, their GM... Um, the ex GM of uh the the Ron Francis Ron Francis the yeah. ex GM of the Carolina Hurricanes then before that the Harper Whalers anyway he said we plan that Shane's gonna play the play with us for the rest of the year we think he's gonna be in, in the NHL and it's does like, your does your head coach know that and it's and it's like exactly it if he is supposed to be here if he's been at camp and he played the preseason and you're impressed with what you see. Why in the world is, is a fourth overall pick projected to go one for basically the entire time he was in junior? Yep. Six minutes of a 60-minute hockey game. That doesn't make any sense. I don't get there's, it. There's no point in letting him play six minutes of hockey if you're just if you're eventually going to have to send him down anyway because he's not going to develop. I think they're I think they're hoping that he'll show something more than whatever it is he showed in camp. Or in preseason but play. That doesn't and, make any sense. And I mean, you got nine games to figure it out, right? But I mean, to see if there's something there, you got to play more than six minutes, man. But even if that's it, no one will be able to explain to me why that makes sense. Because you should know after camp and preseason what you have. If you're telling me you're still evaluating in the regular season, playing him six minutes, you have the worst scouting team I've heard of in my life. Because you should know after two weeks in camp what we got. Yeah, you can usually tell at once. Well, at least like after can, a few preseason Al, games. You can tell after 15 minutes the men from the boys. You can. Fair enough. Any any person who's watched high level versus low level, you can tell that when you see that one kid. And like you, you, you coach. Like yeah. You, you, uh, yeah, it doesn't, it do, yeah, you're right. It doesn't you take can, very long. You can see after one practice. Who their top players are and who your worst players are. Sometimes you just need one shift, which is like, like literally, it is not that hard to fight in your mind, dictate where guys are. Obviously, people get better and worse, and the more time you see, the more I'll say elaborate your scouting purport gets. But it takes one practice to know where your top players are, where your bottom players are, and where they fit and who fits in the middle. If Shane Wright is not there yet, send him back to Kingston. What is the point of wasting him on an NHL bench when all the lights are going to be on him in Seattle? I mean, at this point, too, it's also hurting his ego, if you think about it. Like, well, but not even ego. He's, he's hyped. It's he, not ego. It's well, that's what I mean. That's, yeah, what, no. that's what I mean. Like, his confidence. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. There, if I, I'm all hyped to be in the NHL, and then all of a sudden you're riding the pine for six minutes in your first game. Yeah. And it's not like they were playing a tough team. They played the Ducks. Yeah. Like, like it, oh, well, okay. Actually, I'm gonna give the Ducks a little bit more credit. They they also looked really they also look really promising this year. I like the way Troy Terry's looking so far. He's off to a hot, hot start. Um, their power play looks really good. Trevor Zegris, obviously, um, phenomenal player. Um, so Shane Wright, we can all agree that he should not be there. He should be in the OHL. Um, I don't think the American Hockey League's the answer if they do. I, so I don't think that's where they sh- he they should he should go. I think they should do the same thing they did to McTavish. Um. 
the, the Ducks did to McTavish. Okay, Al, I, I, I've got myself a little more angry. So call this the outrage moment of the episode so far. I'm, I, I, this I, is I, it? I, I think my, oh, boy, here no, we go. No, this, I was this, just about to go talk one. about Uriah Slavkovsky, and then we're going to move on from hockey, but all right. Well, no, no, I, I just aggravated myself, but I, I, there's going to be two in this episode because we're talking about from the past from football, but this is number oh, one. Oh, yeah, that's no, bullshit. Yeah, no, no, this is this number one. Al. All right, here we go. I'm boiling. All right. So in game one yeah. against, the, against the Anaheim Ducks, as you yes. said, he played six minutes of hockey. Yes. Seattle played yesterday. Yes, against the LA Kings. Wait, what they, they won? won they, they won. They won four one. They're yeah. currently one win, no losses, one overtime. Kraken loss. also look good so far. Yes, they do. Even though it's, it's still with, with, with Philip Grubauer. But yeah, yeah. how many minutes do you think Shane Wright played against the LA Kings? <laughs> Did he at least reach double digits? He didn't play. He didn't play out. Oh, okay, yeah, they got you, send him down. You drafted him fourth overall. He fell from one to your lap at four. You play him six minutes in game one, and then you bench him for game two. He's a healthy scratch. He is a did not participate. Did not participate. Here's here's my question. Are you out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? Here's my question. So Seattle does this, all right? Mm-hmm. If he gets drafted by any other team... He's, he's already back in Kingston. Guaranteed. He's already back in Kingston. Okay, so you... So you think, regardless of what team would have drafted him, yes. they would have this, this yes. would same outcome, different different uh, way. Unless though. I think New Jersey is the only team because I think New Jersey has enough talented guys. They would have been like, okay, we're gonna put him on the second line with you know insert name here. Dude, I would have had him on the fourth. Well, no, no, no. I mean, but I think New Jersey has enough talent where they're like, we we think we have something, and we're gonna see what we can have. Fair enough. Because Al, if Shane Wright makes the NHL, he's gonna be a fourth liner. I think there's gonna be a third liner. That's think, not his role. Do you think they they put him on the opening day roster or like on the main roster for now? Because they still have uh, what seven more games, something like that. Yeah, seven more games to play him, and then they gotta decide what they want to do with him. Um, but it seems like they already decided if you're gonna healthy scratch. I mean, him. yeah, clearly. Like, I mean, but also like you played him six minutes, like. That's the thing. That's but, not enough. Like that doesn't make any. But that's what it makes no sense. Because six minutes, that's basically like you're on the ice for thirty seconds a shift. At best. And he played five of those minutes in the first two periods. I swear to God, in, in yeah, overtime and go. third period, he barely played. Like, yeah. he literally barely played. So, obviously, there's, there's a disconnect somewhere. And if you're telling me that Shane Wright, the problem with Shane Wright is his attitude, then tell him that and send him back to junior. I don't think it's an attitude thing for Wright. I just think he's just not ready. And if that's the case, that's fine. But here's here's where I wanted to go with this. Do you think they're still keeping him? Because, let's be honest here. When the headline comes out that Shane Wright gets sent back to the Kingston Frontenacs in the Ontario Hockey League, he is going to get absolutely torched by sports fans across the world and like fans of different sports that know of Shane Wright and know his story. And I'm sorry, I'm going to be one of those guys torching him. Actually, I'll torch him right now. I'm not, I'm not the one to call someone out or tag him on Twitter or nothing like that. I got a little bit of dignity into me. But... um. I will say this now, it's looking like Shane Wright being a bust, being overhyped, is becoming more and more of a reality the closer they get to that nine-game span where they have to decide whether they want to send him back or not. See, I can't say that yet because I think sports fans in general, name a sport that you've got sports fans who always do this, they name bust too early. And I don't, Shane Wright has literally played six minutes of NHL hockey. In but now games. it seems forced is what I'm trying to say here, and in this, I, it feels forced in the sense that, listen, he dropped to four for a reason. The scouting reports said no, this guy is not the guy you claimed that he is. But for some reason, 
I don't know if Seattle has something to prove that they want to show, hey, this is the real number one. But six minutes of ice time does not do that. No, it doesn't cut it. It doesn't cut it. And that's why I think if the... You know what? I th- now that I'm, I have time to think, I've had time to savor what you've been saying now. And you know what? It does make sense to send them now because if they wait seven more games to get to that nine-game mark, it's not going to be any better. Like the, like the torching. How confident is he going to be? Al, if you play six minutes This in your guy's first probably game, hating hockey right now a lot. Hating Seattle, especially. You draft me fourth overall. Your GM says for the regular season starts, I expect to be on the, in the NHL roster. If he said that to the, the media, he definitely would have told Shane something like that. Yeah, well, along you those think lines. so anyways. Like he, told, he probably called Shane in his office and said, okay, we expect you're going to be on the roster for if not all year, most of the NHL yeah. season. And in game one, he plays six minutes. And in game two, scratch. he's a healthy scratch. Not like he's hurt where he got you know injured in the second period and that's why he only played six minutes and that's why he's been scratched. He was a healthy scratch against the LA Kings in a win. Obviously, you don't need him that bad. So why not send him back down to junior? To develop, let him, him absolutely crush the OHL. Up. Yeah. On either, well, on he Kingston. should. He should. No, no. Because let's be honest. He's not giving me Mitch Marner vibes. When Mitch Marner got sent back to London from the Leafs in 2016, because they won the Memorial Cup with Matthew Kachuk and those guys. That was the same group, right? I don't think they won the Memorial Cup. They won the OHL Cup for sure. Did they not win the Memorial? I'll I'm ch- pretty sure they did. I'll check. Um. But- anyways, Mitch Marner um, absolutely gaslit the OHL when he got sent back. Well, he's also playing with the Christian Dvorak, NHLer, and Matthew Kachuk, Which is fine, whatever. But, like, McDavid played on the Erie Otters, which was a very dominant team. Gross. Gross team. team. Those teams were gross. Like, literally, those four-year spans of those Otter teams were gross. Great great hockey. So, I guess maybe I can't use that as comparison. But I'm just saying, Connor McDavid's a very dominant player. He doesn't need a team of all-stars to dominate. By the way, Connor McDavid, 700 points in 488 NHL games. And I will quickly say, I was wrong. It was 2016. Uh-huh. The won the OHL Cup over um, Rwanda. The Huskies, yeah. yeah Kachuk scored the winner. No, because you know what I was thinking? The year after. Windsor, the host. Oh, yes. Erie, 4-3. Yes. And all Erie all Otter fans, the year after McDavid left, were all pissed off because Windsor won it and they shouldn't be there. They're the host. Yeah, because they're the host, yeah. And it's funny. Actually, we're going to do junior hockey for a second because <gasps> this is a big topic. Finally. I want to know. I'm going to say... I'm going to say three words. Sorry for the dead air. I'm going to say three words, and I want your initial reaction because I think you know what you're going to know where I'm going with this. Okay. Niagara Ice Dogs. <laughs> Do you know where I'm going with this? I honestly, I no, I don't. So I'm really curious now. For cause... those of you who don't know this, the Niagara Ice Dogs have made it very clear to the Canadian Hockey League and to the OHL that they want to be a— no, they are going to be a heavy bidder— for this year's Memorial Cup to be a host. Well, actually, right now it looks like they already have a host for 2023. It looks to be in Kamloops because it looks like the Blazers are already highlighted as the host. Oh, okay. So maybe 2024? Let me rephrase then. They are heavy bidder. Yeah, pro- likely the 2024 Cup then, my, uh, Memorial Cup. My bad. But anyways, um, have you seen the trades they've been making and all sorts of deals? Yes, actually. Every tweet I keep reading from that organization, I keep seeing fans... G- OHL fans in general, not just Ice Dogs fans, going, um, yeah, this is not. 
Yeah. What are you doing? No, they're selling, right? Because they sold, they they traded a player to Owen Sounder. Actually, ironically, the weekend I went up, I went up last weekend to do camera for the uh, game against Mississauga. Awful game, by the way. They lost four nothing. They were atrocious in that game. It, I've used that word now three times today. I used it twice during it's a fun show, word. and I used it once today. Fun word. So anyway, they were awful against Mississauga last weekend. I was there for the game, and you know, then I go on our, our really uh, daily rap show or weekly rap show for yeah. Rogers TV. Great Bruce. Anyway. We talked about how at the end of the show that Pappas, Matthew Pappas, got traded from Niagara to Owen Sound, ironically. So I kind of know in the back of my mind they're dealing, but I didn't know they were dealing that bad. Well, even, oh yeah, like, um, oh geez, what's that one trade I saw? So I'm still keeping tabs on the London Knights, and they'll always have a close place in my heart because I was I went to school in London for two years, and I got to cover them uh, in my second year there. But, um, gross. Luca Testa, uh, draft pick. Very high draft pick in the OHL draft. And I guess he didn't want to play in Niagara. So, you know, they found a trade, a suitor for to accommodate him. And they sent him to London. He seems very happy over there. Gross. And that was mistake number one for me. Where I was like, okay, this is a high draft pick. I don't care. Like, you don't let a 16-year-old dictate. Like, I'm sorry. That's not how it works. You're well, Like, you got to earn your stripes, right? Like, even in the NHL. Like, if, I don't care if you're... Like, Matthew Kachuk earned his stripes when he called... You know, when he wanted to trade and he wanted out of Calgary. He earned that. Well, see, Al, and your exact description is why I'd say bulk of Owen, OHL fans, but especially Owen Sound Attack fans. And I'd say most teams in that in that conference, Kitchener, you know, Owen Sound, I think uh, Erie's in that division technically. Windsor. Windsor. They don't like London. And the reason none of us like London is because they're the only organization where that happens. They're the only team that people will say, I don't want to play for you, but I'll play for them. Because it happened to the attack, Victor Mete. Uh, yeah, yeah, attack, okay, fans, yeah. attack fans booed Victor Mete for two straight seasons yep. in London every time he touched the puck in the Bayshore because he told the attack GM, Dale DeGray, I will not play for you. But, because before the draft, he said I wouldn't play for any OHL team. But then closer to, he said, I'd play for one, and that's London. Yeah. So he attacked draft Victor, and then sent him trade him to to uh, London. We got, we got a really good trade out of that. I believe that was the Centino Centurami deal. But anyway, nevertheless, you're the, they're the only team that happens to. So it's... <laughs> I just find it funny. So my point of all of this was just that the Ice Dogs are trying to make a heavy bid for the Memorial Cup. And this was kind of... I guess I was piggybacking off of what you said about the Spitfires, how they hosted, and they, no one, everyone was like, oh, you don't deserve to be there, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because that was the first Okay, well, it's one thing to say I wanna, we want to be heavy bidders for the Memorial Cup, but at the same time, uh, you got to at least have a shot at winning. Mm-hmm. Like, that also helps your bid is if you have a good team. And right now, the Ice Dogs are... Honestly, they're the Chicago Blackhawks of the OHL right now. <laughs> they just are making moves that make absolutely no freaking sense. And, <laughs> yeah, they're... Ice Dogs fan, I uh, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. But um, I don't know what, how we're doing on time here, but we've talked about a lot of hockey. Um, do you want to jump over or do you want to talk about Slikovsky quick? Because I want to quickly mention that Matthew Beniers also has a really good chance of winning the Calder because he's gross. Uh, Beniers, another, okay. another Seattle player, actually, ironically. Beniers is very good. I think uh, when it comes to development, this is the guy that they, they spent the right, right amount of time developing and was mm. brought him up at the right time. He's going to go off. He actually almost scored a goal last night. It was actually waved off due to a high stick. But um, And Slavkovsky, I was just honestly, I was just going to say how like he hasn't shown me the wow, but he also hasn't shown me that, like, okay, this guy shouldn't be in the NHL. Yeah, and again, the big thing about European ice. Like third liner time. at best right now. 
But, you know, the European ice thing, how their ice, I believe, is bigger. So, yeah. Come over the NHL. I like Slavkovsky, and so far, I'm honestly, I thought Slavkovsky and the whole Shane Wright debacle thing uh, was going to be one of those that, like, came back and it was going to be one of those redemption stories where Shane Wright was just going to show that he's way better. Mm. But it hasn't been the case so far. And I like what I've seen from Slavkovsky. He looks really good, really comfortable, and he looks like he's fitting in with a really young core, which is good. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all I was going to say, all I was going to say about him. Like, uh, the rookie talks when it comes to McTavish, love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slavkovsky, I like him. Mm-hmm. Shane Wright, feel bad for the guy. And uh, who else did we talk? Oh, Matty Beneers. Um, also doing very well. So I'm really, uh, really happy for most of these rookies, and those are the guys I'll be keeping tabs on this season because so far they've shown very, very well. Um... Jumping over to baseball now, Spence? Yeah. Are we? Yeah, we might as well jump over into the MLB. Playoffs have officially begun. The wild card is now over. The Jays suck. Lol. Shut your mouth. But now we're into the NL and ALDSs. You've got the Braves up against the Phillies. You've got the Trash Throws against the Seattle Mariners. I was at game one, by the way, of that wild card series, the Jays and Mariners. And it was not fun. Yeah. We got a nice towel out of it, though. Guess what? That thing was over my head from the sixth all the way to the end of the game. <laughs> Honestly, so embarrassing. Um, yeah, the Jays. We, I don't want to spend too much time on them. Uh, look at it this way: they, the, this is not on management. Or sorry, it is on management, but it's <laughs> it's not on the manager. Everyone who is calling for John Schneider's head can no. Park that idea somewhere else. Don't even mention that because it's not his fault. John Schneider worked with what he had coming into the postseason, which was nothing. Jackie Brad, excuse me, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Whit Merrifield were not the answer. Um, you needed bullpen arms. You needed at least one more quality starter in your rotation, another Ross Stripling, and I still believe that they need something like that next season. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to make any tweaks, bullpen for sure. Hopefully Nate Pearson can come back. I still have faith in him. Um, definitely find yourself a better left-handed bat than Rymel Tapia. And other than that, they, they don't have much to fix. I think the Renos at Rogers Center are more of a concern in terms of big fixes. Mm-hmm. So... Um, yeah, the Blue Jays, it's disappointing, but if you look at the way they were playing too, like they were too aggressive at the plate, they were swinging at everything, whereas the Mariners, it was mentioned on the broadcast, anything that's low or looks to be under the knee, they weren't swinging at it, yeah. and it's so true. And, I mean, give credit to Luis Castillo because he pitched a freaking gem, man. Like, it was frustrating, but at the same time, you're like, wow, this is what dominance on the mound looks like. And this guy here was throwing close to 100 miles per hour almost every pitch. He threw a 98-mile-per-hour sinker at one point. A freaking sinker. No wonder. Like, this guy here was top-notch. And then, of course, game two, they get Robbie Ray, and they absolutely light him up. And then 8-1, Kevin Gosman. The mistake there was Gosman should have finished off when the bases were loaded. He should have had the chance to get the last out, and then you go to the bullpen after in the next inning. That's the only thing I will say that John Schneider probably did wrong. Castillo threw over 100 pitches. In his start, why can't Gosman go a little over 100 as well, right? Like 112, 114 max, and then pull him out. Fine. But I think they should have let him in, and it's disappointing. But I think the Jays learned uh, a really big lesson here. I think Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro should really, really have a busy offseason in the sense that they got to find... It's going to be a hard find to find what the Jays are missing, which is bullpen and 
another quality starter. Because mm-hmm. I don't think Hunjin Ryu is going to be back. And his contract's over anyways if he does come back. Yeah. So, and and the, and the growth part would be the batters. You know, they saw best of the best. Well, <laughs> I guess uh, the best they could see in the playoffs. They've got a taste of it. But, man, let me tell you something. Rogers Center was dead. Yeah. The crowd was just not there. And then, I mean... That doesn't help, right? So it didn't really... It felt like a regular season game when I was there for game one. But that's my take on the Blue Jays. Um, I really like the Houston Astros so far. Yeah, I quickly want to finish. The The Padres are playing the Dodgers in the other NLDS beside the Phillies and the Braves. And then the Trastros against the Seattle Man. The, the Phillies are making a run. Eh? Well, they're not making a run, but like they, they won... I know they won game one. I Honestly, I stopped watching baseball as soon as the Blue Jays are out because, I mean... Baseball because you're from Toronto. No, nah, well, baseball's a long freaking game, first of all. And I find, like, playoff baseball is either really high scoring, but the higher you go, obviously, the like, the lower the scoring games get and, like, you run into better pitching matchups and that kind of thing. And it's kind of like football, right? If there's no touchdowns, uh, for me, I'm not watching. I hate a defensive game. Like, that Super Bowl Rams against the Bucks, I believe. Mm-hmm. Or, or is it the Pats? No. Which one? Um... Not Tom Brady's last ring. After the Eagles. This is going too far. But anyways, I, re- I just remember watching one Super Bowl game, and I was, it was super defensive. I, I think it... I think it would have been after, because it would have been Rams versus Pats, right? I yeah. Think. Okay, so yeah, Rams and Pats. That game was boring. That Super Bowl game was awful. Why? Because there's no touchdowns. But anyways, so... I like the way Houston's playing. Um... I think uh, Jordan Alvarez is a guy not to be messed with. I think they should stop pitching to him yesterday. <laughs> um, I I can't believe like the amount of power that guy has. I think the Mariners are done. Mariners, by the way, kind of blew a pretty big lead. To, well, a pretty big lead. It wasn't 8-1, but it was 6-2 at one point in game one against the Astros, and the Astros walked them off. It was 7-3 at one point as well. Yeah, so there you go. Like, it's... <laughs> I mean, yeah, the karma, year, right? Yeah, the year after uh, the Philadelphia Eagles beat the Pats, New England won 13-3 to over Los Angeles Rams. Aha, there you go. Yeah, I remember watching that game. It was absolutely oh, garbage. <laughs> um, yeah, I called the Mets, by the way, getting— I knew a New York team was going to choke. I'm kind of sad it was the Mets, though, because, mm-hmm. I don't know, it would have been nice to see something cool happen there. Uh, the Yankees— um, they're, I mean, I, I have them going on a run. I think they'll win the ALDS. I don't know. Uh, well, they're playing Cleveland right now. Cleveland, though, is kind of like one of those teams, like, if they, they could make the World Series, but they're definitely not winning. Like, their Cinderella story is coming to an end soon. Yeah. Like, there's no way that streak stays hot and whatever. But um, And the Padres and Dodgers, man, they've been putting on a show. Mm-hmm. Like, an absolute show. Like, that is a fun series to watch right now. If anything, I'd probably be watching that. Um, and, uh, who, who was I going to the next there? The, the Braves, mm-hmm. um, they're in for, they're in a battle right now. Yeah. Like this is heavyweight stuff going on between them. Like these guys are running into a tough matchup and it's, uh, it's not a, it's not an easy, it's not been an easy road. Like the Phillies are, they're there. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, though. I'm pretty sure I was just about to check the the score of that series. Which one? Yeah. So that series is tied one one. The Braves shut them out three zip. Yeah. So thanks to Kyle Wright. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, for baseball, I mostly like the playoffs. This that's what it is. That's the update right now. I mean, I, nothing new. I think our predictions are still pretty much the same. 
I mean, well, if, other if, than St. Louis got out, which was kind of funny, but Seattle's still in. Surprisingly, for my predictions, they're going to be out pretty soon. Though. I yeah, I think they're. No offense to Seattle, but Houston's just so good. They are good. I mean, 100, 100 plus wins on the season, right? And their pitching staff is great. I mean, I'm surprised Justin Verlander got shelled. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, then again, like, what a big comeback. And, I mean, like I said, Jordan Alvarez. <laughs> Stop pitching to him, man. Because well, he's, he's... He, he won he's, both he games like, for him. Walked well, it off exactly. in game one and then hit the two-run shot to take, take a 3-2 lead. In clutch guy. He's clutch, right? So, stop pitching to him. Um, but the main thing I wanted to talk about baseball, it wasn't really the playoffs. Well, I do quickly want to mention, though, Yankees tied currently with the Guardians at a 2-2, bottom of eight. Currently. Yeah, see, the Guardians points. are hanging around. But, I mean, I, at the end Barely of the day, I still think the Yankees will... Should crush They them. should pull it off. Um... What I wanted to talk about was I found this interesting. I was like, really? saw this come up on my phone a couple days ago. Carlos Correa opting out of his contract with the Minnesota Twins is set to become a free agent. And the question right away when someone like an, with a name like his becomes available, you think, where is he going? Mm-hmm. And do you think... Ooh, you're asking me. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, already, I already know what I think. Well, not what I think, but I already have a good idea of what I'm going to say about this. Um, I want to know if you think there's a reunion that's possible. No, I don't think he goes back to Houston. Or do you think a certain George Springer gives him a phone call? You think, nah, he can't go to Toronto. Where's he going to play? That's what? the problem, Al. You already have Chapman and Bo Bichette on that side of the field. There's no way. And he already said, I can't wait to play actual shortstop again because of the new shift bands. Which we, we, I think we did talk about. how We did talk the about clock, the shift, yeah. The pitch clock and the shift bands. But anyway, so like he's not going to want to play second base. And Bo Bichette's not going to play second base. No, Bichette, yeah. I mean, so but, like, no, well, I mean, oh, <laughs> you sorry. <laughs> you just triggered a thought. <laughs> you want to talk about Bichette? No, that motherfucker wants to play center field right now the way he's playing, okay? That's what I can't believe that escaped my mind. Oh, geez. I, I'm not going to get back into it. We kind of moved on from the Jays there. But, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I completely didn't think about that. It's just, I don't know. I, I, I really like Carlos Correa as much as, like... Well, Correa is fantastic. Yeah, he's a great, he's a and good player, even though he was on the, you know, the Trash Throws uh, scandal and all that. But I still like him, and it's still an attractive player to have on of your course. roster. Um, but, um, yeah, Bo Bichette and that collision at center field with George Springer was... Atrocious. I, why are we using that word? Can I just say like it was fucking brutal? Like, <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Al. I don't. That helps editing. But uh, no. Okay. So like Carlos Correa. Like where? Where do you think it, he fits? Well, okay. Well, not including Minnesota. Obviously, he's gonna want to go to a contending team. Well, not including Minnesota, which were not a contending team. They were negative. Well, that's games. why he's opting out. He realized how shit they were, and now he's like, okay, I want to get out of here. Yeah. So. But where does he go? Well. It's going to be who can afford him and who's got a spot for him. Because as we just talked about, he's going I don't to want to play price, shortstop. I don't think the price is the issue. That was No, it's going to be. I think it's the spot, he's, man. He's going to want 30 to $35 million. And not a whole hell of a lot of teams are going to pay him 30 to $35 million. Because, Al, you're forgetting. Baseball is unlike any other major sport we've got. Who's the shortstop on the Angels right now? No idea. I haven't got the first clue. Okay. Because Rendon plays third base, and he's a Band-Aid, of all Band-Aids. And Shohei plays outfield slash pitcher, or DH. And Trout plays center. That's about all I know about the Angels right now. And I think he's full of David Fletcher who plays second base. That's about all I know about the Angels, because everything else is hot garbage. Jack Mayfield. 
Now, do you think he'd go to the Angels? Because uh, they're not a contender. Art but, Moreno would pay for him, who's the owner of the but Angels. But they could be. No, they couldn't be. I think the... Uh... They suck at every position that is not Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and when Anthony Rendon wants to play baseball. When he's not broken in half. Which but, he has been his but entire time a, in I, Los Angeles. I think it'd be a good piece. He would be. But, again, it's... It's all you. I love this. Is my absolute favorite quote from an athlete I've ever heard in my life. It's when Claude Makélélé, the defensive midfielder, left Real Madrid. Zinedine Zidane, who I think you might even know who that is. No. Okay. Anyway, one of the, <laughs> one of the best midfielders to ever play. I'm not a soccer guy. All right. Soccer is anyway, for anyways. But anyway, Zinedine you get Zidane, where it starts with a P ends with Ussy. They're the worst. That now too. Anyway. Fucking. Nah, I can't say. Thanks, it. Al. Really appreciate you helping me editing out right now. Anyway, so. Zinedine Zidane said about Club Makalele when after they sold Makalele and bought David Beckham, he said, and I quote, why would we put another another sh- uh, another uh, coat of gold paint on the Bentley when you've taken out the entire engine? Why Ooh, would you put another okay. coat of gold paint on the Bentley in Los Angeles I'm just when you don't spit- have an engine? I'm just spitballing whatever comes to mind here. This yeah, is and it's, and, and, that's the, and that's the problem because your brain doesn't work properly because nah, the angels suck. That's fine. The they angels do. are atrocious. Yes, I get it. Yeah, okay, fine. But I mean, I don't know. Like, you got to start some right? And I mean, Jack Mayfield, who the fuck is that guy? Who is that guy? Like, you know what I mean? Like, who is he? This is like, Carlos Correa like, could make a name for himself over there. And I think... Okay, you know what, Al? You might like this. I, I, I literally just looked up playoff teams. I'm going to check right now who their, who their shortstop is. I, I genuinely have not the first idea. But let me take a quick little gander. Yeah, we've Ooh, been too I, focused on hockey lately. I, I, I like Tommy Edmund, and I like Paul DeYoung. So I actually, I don't think he actually... Oh, no, Paul DeYoung had a bad year. But, and Edmund can play just about anywhere. The St. Louis Cardinals. I was going to say that, but then I was... Think l- about an infield Arenado, Correa, and, uh, and uh, Goldschmidt. That's a gross infield because you can play Edmund at second base. He can literally play every position. Yeah, he's a utility guy. Except for except for uh, catcher, and he hits really well. He hit really well this Yeah, game. I mean, I was gonna say St. Louis, but then I was like, ah, eh, like uh, it's probably too good to be true, and blah blah blah. And because like the, the the Mets could sign him like they did uh, Baez and move Lindor to second base, which would be the worst thing I've heard in my life, or move one of them to third base because they both have absolute cannons in, in Lindor and Carlos Correa, the two best shortstops of their generations in the same generation, might I add. But like, who else? Like the Phillies, the Phillies could probably use them who've made the playoffs. But like, are they gonna want them? That's the thing. Now, if you're gonna talk money, then the Phillies would be a team where I'm like, uh, you might not pay that. Because, I mean, they're already paying Bryce Harper a shit ton of money. And Schwarber and Riamuto. Yeah. And, like, going over the AL, the Rays are not going to pay any money. The Seattle Mariners, I don't think, also won't. So, I don't think the Mariners are that kind of... I think the Mariners are out in the sense that they're not... They're not... That team is not built for the kind of character Correa has. Well, no, but they also... Implying they would spend the money, which I don't think they would... No. It doesn't really fit their window. No, they're, that's, that's still, what I mean. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. I feel the same way about the Jays, and they also don't have a position for well, them. They, yeah, they just don't. The but I mean, Guardians wouldn't pay him. Would you DH him? I mean, that's a waste of a fielder, though, because he's probably one of the top three but or wouldn't that give you more? But wouldn't that give you more flexibility, though? Like, Bo Bichette, when he's, like... I would have loved no, a few times when he it, goes though. cold and you just DH him. Hey, no. you're going to focus on hitting until you get your shit together. No, but, but Kirk... You DH Kirk. 
Mm, I'd say 90% of the time in Toronto. He's yeah, DH but then Kirk. again, let's not think think about it this way, too. Kirk's probably going to catch a lot again next season because, let's be honest, Danny Jansen's going to get hurt at least three more t- three times in the one season because well, that's, that's how fair. he rolls. But, no, the Guardians won't sign him because the Guardians already shipped off their shortstop. And, their, they, of Lindor. and they also paid uh, Jose Maria, uh, Ramirez a lot of thank, money. Thank goodness, because yeah. they almost shipped him off, too, like they did Lindor. Well, they, the Yankees, no, they didn't almost ship him off. Ramirez like, said, I want to be here. Like, it was just a matter of finding the right price for him. Because, like, the Yankees could sign him, but the problem is, if they do, that forces Glaber Torres to play second base, which I think he's better at second base than he is shortstop, but... I think he wants to play shortstop, which is kind of the problem. Is now you're isolating him from being able to play shortstop if you sign Carlos Correa. But anyway, they're probably the only team I've seen that made the playoffs, and I'm like, actually probably could sign Correa, other than Houston. But I don't think he wants to go back to Houston because the whole reason why he left was, was that, the controversy. Was the trash can and all and that, yeah. Lose the, and they lose A.J. Hinch to yeah, this was, this was a, this and was they a, lose uh, Lou now, the GM. Yeah. Like, it was a matter of him proving that, like, yeah, okay, we cheated, but I could still play ball. And then it's like, okay, yeah, but the club you signed with is absolute ass. And Jeremy Pena, their starting shortstop this year, wasn't that bad. He wasn't, like, he no, was Pena not wasn't Carlos good. I had, I had Pena in fantasy for a bit. He was all right, and then he kind of fell off like near the he, end. And, like, yeah. he wasn't, he's not Carlos Correa. No. There's not a whole, whole lot of people like Carlos Correa, but he's not bad. Right. He's not, you know, awful. So, last, like, who, last destination, like, final destination, where do you think he's going? Because he's going to be a free agent. Implying he doesn't sign for a low market team. Like, I'll say, like, Oakland, even though they were awful. Like, a team like that who doesn't have a high payroll but are able to, like, splash on that one guy. I'd say, I don't want to say them because I can sound biased, but New York. Like, the Yankees in my head are the only team I can think of that have the money and have the roster spot. Because even the Dodgers are playing Trey Turner at shortstop and playing Gavin Lux at second base, and they like Gavin Lux. Yeah. So they're not going to sign Correa, move Trey back to second base, and play Gavin as a basically utility guy like they did with Muncie because he really didn't play a position, just played DH and wherever they could fit him into the roster. So that's my problem. Is it's I can't think of a team that has the money that also has a roster spot for him other than probably New York, because no offense to Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, who I think is a good player and a great utility. He can play catcher, shortstop, I and think second he's base. better. he's better in the field than he is at, his, at the plate. A thousand percent. Yeah. And Correa would crush anything Kiner-Falefa can do at, yeah. in, in the infield or at, at the plate. So other than the Yankees, unless you want to say the Astros and they, they move Pena or whatever, like I can't really see another spot for him. I'd be surprised. Yeah, that, I think Houston would be a pretty big shock. I mean, it's still a possibility. I mean, I don't know. He's because like he could go to Detroit. He's and back unpredictable. To he's unpredictable, and I'm not going to lie. Because Minnesota was unpredictable. Yeah, no one thought he'd go well, Minnesota. I, well, I didn't. Well, yeah, that for one. But I also didn't expect him to opt out. Yeah. Don't get me so, wrong. Minnesota wasn't good, but they weren't. Uh, they weren't garbage. Yeah, they were 78-84, Just so you know. And another thing you might want to know—that's not a bad season. No, it's it's not. And you want to know the other amazing? It's thing almost five hundred. When when he opted out, he opted out of two years left on his deal. That's what I mean. Million dollars. That's what I mean. Like it like, surprised me because he must think he's getting paid. Well, that or he's just not happy in mini. Which is pro- honestly, it's which probably, I'm I'm it's not both. surprised. It's but both. let I will say this: oh, Target Field, really nice ballpark. I've never been, but it looks it's one of my favorite. Like landscape, I like the layout. But um, oh, we did a lot of talking. Yeah, we did. Um, football. I just want to say one more thing about Carlos Correa. Let's hear it. Just one more thing. Let's go. 
So that two year seventy million he left on the table. You say he either hates Minnesota or thinks he's going to get paid. I think he hates Minnie. I think he. I agree with you. And the only reason why I say that and why I say I also think he can, could get paid is because free agency in baseball is garbage because of what I just said. There's so many small market teams who don't want to splash the Rays, the Pirates, you know, the the, the Royals. <laughs> he's not going to Tampa, it. like <laughs> unless Tampa gets a new ballpark in the next like three months, which we all know they won't. No one's going to play in Tampa. But that's what I mean. There's so many small market teams who just don't play in free agency, have no intentions of splashing out on free agents. It limits you on who you actually can go to. It it limits you so badly. And unless on you're where a you team too with a name, like a big name, Dodgers, Red Sox, Astros, but Blue Jays, even like them. Th- you're right. Like those small market teams, like he's not gonna go to the Rockies. But even if he did, but even if, even if he did, even if he did. They're a bad team with low payroll. The yeah. Pirates, bad team, low payroll. Oakland Athletics, bad team, bad low payroll. The bad location the, too. The Kansas City Royals, bad, bad team, low payroll. Like there's so many teams like that that no one's gonna go to them, and they don't even try. So you have you already limit you on who you can go to, and then when you look at the top teams, most of them already have really good shortstops, or at least above average shortstops. So it's just, it limits Carlos Cray on what he actually can do. It's why he ended up in Minnesota in the first place. And that's why I'm not completely ruling out a reunion in Houston. I don't, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I could see it. I see it. But I, I still want to say, I don't think he goes back. Oh, I, just, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I'd like to see Carlos go in a make, different place. It'd make no sense why he'd go back after leaving for two who's, years. Uh, who's at short? I know I'm asking you, I'm putting you on the spot here. San Diego Padres. Well, Tatis. Right. Oh, well, that, he's suspended, that's why, though. That's why I didn't say him. Okay, because yeah, he, he yeah could, that's right. He could go to the Padres and join the absolute gross lineup they could have. But Tatis can also play in the outfield, can't he? Well, because he was a horrible shortstop. Because he can't, <laughs> he can't field. Yeah. He, he, couldn't, he, couldn't hit a, he couldn't catch a beach ball. He's awful in shortstop. Like, he is atrocious. Like, it, I'll say it again. He is awful at shortstop. His, his DRS and all those advanced stats for defense are Garbage. Word of the day for Friday, October 13th is atrocious, by the way. But no, he's bad at shortstop. So, I mean, the Padres could, but I feel like the Padres still believe Tatis is that franchise shortstop. I don't think they're going to move him. Well, we'll I mean, we'll see. We'll see, I guess. But But uh, I'm curious. I'm sorry. Could you imagine a lineup with Tatis, Soto, Machado, Bell, and Tatis? Yeah. Like, that would be absolutely disgusting. And they still wouldn't win. <laughs> they still wouldn't win because let's be honest, the San Diego Padres can get anyone on the roster right now. And uh, I mean, don't get me wrong; they, they are playing. They, they are playing the Dodgers, but they have yet to win. They have yet to. I mean, they're tied right now with Game Three today, right. later tonight. There you go. So it's uh, if they knock out the Dodgers, I think they're my new pick because then they're going to go on Ooh. a run. Yeah, I, I said I think the winner of Dodgers Padres pro- Dodgers Padres probably makes the World yeah. Series. No yeah, offense you'd to the think Braves. So. No offense to the Braves or the Phillies. I think the Braves time has run out too. I think uh I don't think their hitting core is good enough. I think the Phillies can pull. I I I mean considering how I didn't think the Phillies were going to make it out of the wild card. Yeah, I agree. So with considering that. they made it that far, they're on a run right now. They're on a high. They're on a high right now. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Phillies actually knocked them out. But, but we'll see. But as you said, Al, we're not going to go to football. Last topic of the day. We've gone pretty long there on hockey because you and I divulged into OHL stuff. I'm pretty sure great. we're close to an hour in now. But, but no, it, it's great because it shows that we do have some minor knowledge. And we, I hope to bring that as the OHL season goes on and the CHL season. We can talk about you know the good teams, we'll the see. recent draft picks and stuff. We'll see. That's where you and I are. Yeah, I'm from Owen Sound, you know, OHL market. You went to, you went to Fanshawe, London, OHL market. But anyway, so now on to football. 
The Thursday Nighter was yesterday. Boring. I got I got to find the score real quick because I genuinely don't know because I went out of I'm, the way not to I'm watch say the game. Is I'm pretty sure the first quarter ended and it was still zero zero. Yes, it was. Yeah. I think I, I don't even say halftime was still zero zero. Oh god. Because when I checked the score last, Al, it was twelve seven, and that's what the final score was. Oh, it was twelve seven in favor of the Washington Commanders over the Chicago Bears. Both teams are currently two and four now. Uh, there was a field goal scored in the second quarter by the com- the Commanders. They uh, the Bears scored the first touchdown. It was um, Fields to Pet Dante. Wasn't Pettis. it the only touchdown? Yep. Well, yeah. no, no. There must have been another one because they scored nine points. So I gotta I gotta guess. I don't know. Touchdown. I hear too much talk about football, and sometimes I tune in and I tune out. So I hear things, and I probably like piece them all together into one big puzzle. That's just yeah, not good. Bri- yeah. Brian Robinson scored in the uh, fourth quarter for Washington. But anyway, there you go. But Dante Pettis' forty-yard touchdown from uh, Justin Fields was the first touchdown in. Six quarters on the Thursday nighter. And if you want to count the uh, overtime, that's seven quarters of football that had zero touchdowns. I don't watch the NFL to begin with because, I don't know, I'm just not... You don't like chess, I get it. Nah, it just doesn't hit me (laughs) the other way sports does. And, And, I mean, some people may be... You know, might think I'm a little crazy going, wait, you like baseball more than football? Uh, yes. Um... I do think you're nuts for that. Yeah, I mean... Mostly because the time clock pisses me off. I think it should run, like they should have a running clock regardless. Period? Yeah, it's oh. too long. Like there's two minutes left in the game, but it goes for like 45 minutes. Like no thanks. But no, like um, I am trying to get more familiar with the game. I mean, I'm I'm pretty good with the rules and that kind of stuff. But um, all I know is I heard the chatter around the newsroom here at the college, and it was just yeah, this game's gonna be a snooze fest. Uh, don't bet on it because I, it's just a bad game to bet on, yada, yada, yada. So I didn't watch it. Um, but I do keep myself in the loop with the news of what's going on and what makes conversations. I know Tua Tungavailoa uh, was a big headline for the last couple of weeks uh, due to his concussion. Um, what we talked about? We still don't know when he's coming back. Probably I have, a good thing. haven't heard, which is good, yeah. But I heard, I did hear, too, that he was recommended by a doctor that, he actually retires, of course. and I'm like, that's not happening. Yeah, I think he's got a bit left in him. But um, anyways, it's not too well I want to talk about roughing the passer. Oh yeah, this was a horrible. This was atrocious. I want to talk about that more than um that game between the commies, as you'd say, and the <laughs> Bears because it was a it was a bad. Football. <sighs> it was two bad football teams playing a bad football. Just. Game. Yeah, it's yeah, I'd watch I'd watch golf before that game, okay? Whoa, 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 whoa. Come on now. I told you, man. Football's not my thing. But anyways, um where do you want to go with this one? The, the roughing the passer because well, you're you know more what? of a football guy, so you you got more of a fire. You know what? To it. I think this might be the perfect time to introduce a segment you and I've been talking about for the past week or so. All right. Because um, I I wanted to bring in a segment, just an extra little thing that we can talk about that we can use because Al, you as I think you said in our first episode, you're a referee. I don't know what class technically you are in hockey. I don't know what it's called. I can tell you. Do you want to know? All right, so I'm a level three referee. There's six levels of refing in hockey. I'm halfway to the top. I'm not getting my level six because at that point, you're just a walking rule book. It doesn't doesn't do anything. Really, if you want to go somewhere in refing, you got to get your level four. And then you can do American Hockey League. And I believe you can do international hockey as well at that point. Is five NHL or a six NHL? No, like you don't even need... A oh. four is like pretty good. Oh, okay. A four is is pretty good and pretty much gets you wherever you want to go, kind of thing. A five is a safe bet. Oh, okay. And then six is just overkill. Six is yeah, overkill. Like, um, there's actually a ref out of the Northern Ontario Hockey Association, Dustin McCrank uh, from New Liskert, Ontario. 
Uh, small town, two hours north of North Bay. Uh, he's a level six. Oh, fair enough. The only one I know that's like close to my region, or heck, probably even I don't know if, about the province, but I do know there's not a lot of level sixes. Mm. All right, it's a rare thing. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, level three referee. Been I've had my level three since 2017. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my eighth season refing, yeah. which is nuts to think like it would have been 10 by now, but I took two years off when I went to Fanshawe cause I wanted to focus on school first. But then I realized that I could have managed because yeah. I'm doing that right now yeah. uh, in school here. So, um, so yeah, but, uh, continue on the segment you wanted to talk about. So we're going to call it, at least for now, we're going to call it behind the stripes. Yeah. Where Alex talk about, you know, refing, even though again, he's a hockey ref, but I think refing Almost always is kind of you can compare. Very like similar can, codes yeah, like, to follow, I guess yeah, you could say, like, in the sense of like... You're always wearing stripes. You're always, when it comes to judgment, calls, and yeah, that kind of thing. Bang, bang plays and stuff like that. Yeah. Hockey is the worst fort because you're on skates and everyone's moving so quick and, and stuff happens so fast. It's unreal. Honestly, football, I will say this. I respect the officials because like... Pfft, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Even me, sometimes I'll see a flag go off, and I'm like, where was the where? Like, yeah. I'm actually looking for it, because I do know, like, some of the calls, and mm-hmm. I do know, like, you know, the holds, pass interference, you know, that kind of thing. The basics, I guess you can say. And there's times where I see flags go off, and I'm like, where? Yeah, exactly. I, unless, I don't know what I'm looking for So, so sometimes, because the plays, and there's so much, so many scrambles, and, like, yeah, you know. 11, 11 on 11 in American football, 12 lot. on 12 on Canadian it's a football. a lot. It's a lot. But anyways. Um, so for Behind the Strength, we're going to yeah. try to talk about either something you did over the, over the weekend or, you know, the past two weekends with, with the way we're doing it right now, or what happened in the real sports world and the professional sport world. We talk about, you know, referees either making good calls or bad calls in the, in the, rough in the past or the past week were bad ones. Yeah, they were two they, of them. They, they were awful. Yes, the they one, were garbage. So Tom, there was one called. The first one. The first one. The, this was uh, uh, Tom Brady who was apparently roughed. Yep. Which, if you look at it, and if you haven't seen it, it's on social media somewhere. Just look it up. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, I probably put up the clip. Yeah, he'll the clip will be there. Anyways, it was, I thought it was a clean tackle. Very greedy, Jarrett. Yeah, like I didn't see anything wrong with it. I mean, football's a physical sport. There's tackles, and I mean, honestly, it's one of those where I find it very hard to call roughing the passing is a, for me, in my opinion, especially in the last couple of weeks, is a tough call to make because you are you're already like. It has to be, I, I, the way I look at roughing the passer is almost like a charging call in hockey. Mm-hmm. You go to hit someone, okay, and there's no intent on playing the puck or whatever, that's charging. And you're like, and if you come from a distance or if it's even blindsided, um, yes, they added that to the rule book this year for the next two seasons at least, uh, 22-24 rule book. Um, it's kind of like that. And the, when I saw that that play on Brady, I was like, really? No, see, my problem is I still live by the rules that I remember as a kid. P.I. was, pass interference was always, if the corner doesn't look for the football, if the corner puts his hands up to block the football when he doesn't see the football, that's a P.I., period. Doesn't matter how far the ball is, if he looks at the football, that is almost never going to be called because he sees the football. You have to look back. Yeah, that so was, he, that was he the has intent on playing yeah, the ball, the, not just that, uh, like not just taking uh, the, the, man the receiver yeah, out of the play. Yeah, you have to give, and I remember the other part of that rule was you have to look at the ball and you have to give the wide, wide receiver an opportunity at the ball. You can't just rip his hands and you have to give him an opportunity at the ball. Right. Those are the rules I live by. There's still the rules I live by. Pass interference for me is exactly explained. It. It's charging. It's I get rid of the ball, one beat, two beat, I get hit. So it's beyond reasonable doubt that you could have stopped. 
that you knew what you were doing, that you were going to absolutely drill the guy. And that's for every position. Like, if you run out of bounds, and I, you know, I'm out of bounds, I take a step, I take one more step, and then you hit me. Like, that's late. That's right. a late no, hit. Exactly. Okay, yeah, okay, so that makes sense. So it's like, it's almost like interference in hockey. Like, if the puck carrier gets rid of the puck, five seconds later you hit him, that's late. That's yeah, interference. That, yeah, that, exactly, that's late. So that's what I remember pass interference being. It's the quarterback gets rid of the ball, and then, you know, that... that well, this is roughing the passer we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, exactly, but no, that's from the passer. Okay, the yeah. Pa- the passer, passer throws it, he waits one beat, two beat, and then gets hit, that's roughing the passer. Now they're calling it because of Tua Tagovailoa, as you've mentioned, the concussions. Now they're throwing it with the guy having the football. Tom yeah. Brady has possession of the ball in his hands. And it's almost simultaneous gets, afterwards, too. And he gets hit with the ball. Yeah. And it's pass interference. How does that work? Roughing this, the passer. This, 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 is, this is the second outrage moment because it makes no sense. How do you call a penalty called roughing the passer when the passer has the ball? The point of the game is... Yep. You have to hit the guy with the ball. If that's what we're doing right now, make it flag football. Take off the pads, we'll play flag. Because there's no point, no point in playing professional, American, or Canadian football if I can't hit you. If you have the ball, and I hit you, and I get a flag, we're not playing football anymore. We're not. That's not what it is. It's the same thing with hockey. If I'm not hitting, we're playing shitty. We're not playing hockey. Or you're in house league. Yeah, but uh, no, I fully agree with what you're saying, and I mean, I uh, the second one was worse. The second one, yeah. Just, d- d- I mean, describe it to us because I'm so, I'm having a hard time now, remembering. Now, now, the, only... now the clip, is, the clip is going to be up for you YouTube fans. I right. hope with my editing job. But anyway, Derek Carr for the Las, uh, Las yes. Vegas Raiders against the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday. So this that game was close, by the way. That was a this great 30, game. 29 game. Devonta Adams gets the the now assault charge. Got charged with assault, for, yeah. For, for pushing over the camera guy, I'm probably gonna throw that up right now. Too. That's uh, roughing the camera guy. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, throw the flag ref. Anyway, so this one nearing the end of the court, nearing the end of the half, the first half, he steps back to pass, and he has the ball in his hands. The uh, defensive tackle Chris Jones hits him, hits the ball out of his hand, so it's a strip sack fumble. They throw a flag for roughing the passer. And I heard people say from the one angle, if, the, if, it, was, if it was the back judge and just saw the way he hit Carr and his hand went down, that it could have been seen as roughing the passer. And I can tell you, I don't care what angle you saw it from. Derek Carr had possession of the ball, period. I don't care if he hit him helmet to helmet. He had possession of the ball. In other words, that's not roughing the passer. No, because you have the ball. You can't you can't call it interference. LV has the puck. That's not what it is. Yep. That, that is not what that is. And Correct. if you're gonna call it that way, then we're not gonna call it roughing the passer anymore. There's no point. Because if he has the ball and I can't hit him, then why are we playing tackle football? Might as well play in flag. I will say this two hand touch. If they're doing this because of the two incident. Which they are. Thousand percent. There's no doubt about it. In my mind. Well, it's garbage because, first of all, Tua shouldn't have been out there in the first place exactly. after that first after that hit. After the first hit. After the first hit. Second of all, uh, yeah, like it's it's so frustrating because, like, for me, the reason why I do watch football when I do tune in is because of the hits, mm-hmm. is because of the physicality. And you know what? If football's about to go that soft, like... You had your chance. You still have the chance to redeem yourself in mm-hmm. terms of the two incident. Yeah, but not in that way. Yeah, I think the game needs to be called the same way it was being called before the two incident. And I think that 
instead of changing the way the game is called, I think you just change and you learn from your mistakes in the sense of, listen, if a guy's got spaghetti legs after taking a hit, you don't put him back into the game. Honestly, you know what it felt like when I saw all these right from the passer calls? This genuinely felt like for anyone who's watched the Netflix series, the, um, I can't remember what it's actually called, but it's Tim Donaghy. I, um, d- I don't know, man. I don't watch a lot of Netflix. I'm uh, I'm a pretty busy guy. Yeah, we get it out. I will it. say this. The one thing I have watched recently, on if we're talking about Netflix real quick, The Redeem Team. Oh, uh, yeah, I saw that. that With uh, Kobe Bryant, LeBron, LeBron and Mello. Dwayne Wade, Mello. Yeah, yeah they're really good. So I do recommend watching it. Uh, there you go. You got a little plug there for Netflix and uh, The Redeem Team. Uh, really good. Um, also, it made me yeah, feel kind of weird seeing Kobe. Series. It also made me... Uh, feel weird seeing Kobe Bryant yeah, after passing away it's unreal just like seeing yeah the mellow quote I hate watching y'all lose yeah 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 it's uh or my favorite I won't spoil it but my favorite part is when um they get to the scene in the documentary where Kobe told his teammates that he was going to run through Pau Gasol uh, yeah, and right get the in the round robin right, right through the chest when they were playing Spain was Spain. the biggest competition yeah and that, that's cool. Anyways, you got to watch it. I don't want to spoil too much, but you have to watch it if you haven't seen it. Yeah. So what I was talking about was the the Untold series, where it had okay. the, the had it had the um, hockey one as well for that lower level hockey team right. in America. Yeah, the uh, Dansbury Trashers, right? Yeah. 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 What a goon squad. Anyway, so the Untold series, it was called Operation Flagrant Foul, and it was Tim Donaghy's story, where the the referee was fixing basketball games, at least allegedly. He said he never did. Gambling on games is close enough. We'll say he fixed the games. Anyway. So it's a Tim Donaghy story. Anyway, so when he talked about it and said, no, the league office calls us before the game and says, we want you to focus on this. We want you to focus on that. That's what it felt like to me. It literally felt like the NFL called all the referees into a room and said, we want you guys to throw more pass interference flags. That's what it felt like. And that's exactly what happened. And it's aggravating because it literally shows you that leagues don't care about the athlete because if NFL actually cared about player safety, showed any level of care, the protocol would have been changed by now. They wouldn't They wouldn't have, A, made them throw more flags. They would have fixed the equipment, make them more padded, or would have made them less padded so they don't throw as heavy But hits. aren't they improving the helmet, like the technology, the protective technology in the helmets every year? They try to. Because isn't, isn't, isn't that why Antonio Brown pulled the fit at one point was yeah, because he, he, did, he didn't want to play because of the helmet? Yeah, you guys, like, helmet band. You know, so... And it's funny you mentioned that, and I'm I'm trying to like be quick on this because I know we've we've gone on for for a while now. Um, when I think of that, you look at the NHL when they cracked down on the slashing mm-hmm. penalty. Do you remember that? Anything near the hands, anything close, whether it was a huge hack or a little tap, yeah, gone. You're going for two or less, right? Mm. So I was okay with that. I mean, I actually no, I hated it because I thought <laughs> some of them were really soft calls. And I think it's. Now I think the NHL has found a happy medium in the sense that if anything near the hands and it has, you know, it could potentially hurt the player or it definitely disrupts the progress of play, mm-hmm. then it's called. And I think they finally found a good good level or a good balance to call it. Right now, I'm okay with I'm not okay with the flags for roughing the passer, especially the one on Brady. And uh, the one, I mean, even though the Derek Carr one, I agree with you on that one too. Like, it's it's soft. I think if the NFL is going to continue calling it that way, fine. But make sure you're consistent. But at the same time... But you can't be with this kind of call. No, no, but, but like, if you're going to call it that way, fine. But, like, stick to what you're set, the standard you're setting. But at the same time, right now there's no balance. It's pretty much you get tackled... As soon as the ball is even get about to get released or 
even a millisecond, a split second, as soon as that ball leaves the, your hand, it's going to get called, right? It seems like that. But I think they need to find a balance on whether or not the intent is actually to make a clean tackle or you can read body language, right? That's the thing. As a referee, you can read the body language of a player and you can tell if there's intent on mm. whether it's to, you know, it's an intent to make an actual play or if it's intent to just like kill the guy, mm. right? So I think the, the, the refs need to find that level right now and it ain't it. Right now, what they're doing is not it. But my problem now is why, why didn't we do this week one? Why wasn't this week one? Like week one, because we weren't Tua doing did not get hurt. Exactly, that's my problem. Is now it's a reaction, and the problem with doing a reaction, I'm okay with it though. At least it shows that they're trying, not just behind the scenes. Because right now the protocol is going to change. The NFLPA has called for a, a change in the co- concussion protocols, and rightfully so, because Tua should not have been back on the field. No, he shouldn't have been. And they're also trying to change at the level where it should. It doesn't even get beyond the field it's staying it gets fixed right away on the field and i'm okay with that but like i said right now there is no balance and that's why i think they can keep playing with it a little bit but at some point if it doesn't work i think you just go back to before the two incident in the sense that like just call it the way you were calling it beforehand no but al my my problem with the nfl and i'll say this overarching since i was a kid is the nfl has now gone so far into making offensive friendly football but there's no even point in playing defense. I can't hit nobody. I can put my hands on nobody. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me why every time a corner puts his hands on a wide receiver, if the ball's five yards over his head, they're calling they're calling it a pi, and the, we're moving up the moving the ball thirty yards. Or Derek Carr has the football in his hands. I strip sack him, and then I get a fifteen yard flag for roughing the passer when he physically has the ball in his hands. It doesn't make any sense to me. Right, that's and fair. And it's aggravating because it you can't play defense. Right, like you, I you guess. Can't it, play it, I guess. Yeah, but okay. Not just because not just the Commanders and the Bears. That was a low offensive game. Look at the Broncos and the Colts. There's a lot of I find low scoring football games lately because bad coaching. But th- and, fair enough. Fair that's enough. Another whole new but argument. But do you but do you think that maybe it's a it's a matter of trying to get more offense rather than. Like is this handcuffing? Are they handcuffing the defend the defending? Bleh, oh my goodness, the defenders with that call. Like, is it because they're trying? Like, let's be honest here. I don't watch a lot of football games, but I do check the scores once in a while, and I find that since week one, there's been one too many low-scoring games when there are two teams that are playing each other that are high highly offensive. Now, don't get me wrong. Like that 30-29 to 29 game, Raiders and Chiefs. Chiefs won that Monday, one. Yeah. yeah. That's a lot of offense, and it's close. That's perfect. I think that's a great football game. But then you look at last night, uh, Thursday night with the Commies and the Bears, that's low offense. So do you think that maybe there's something there? Like- See, and, and my, pro- my bigger problem with that, Al, is I don't disagree with you that I bet that the NFL is looking at those scores and saying those those are definitely yeah. There's Tua probably more to it than just the concussion from Tua. But my my big issue with that is, but that means again, you're not looking at the problem. It's I feel again, I feel like Billy Bean and Moneyball, which I've seen a half dozen times. I love that movie. I've only seen it once. As much as I know it's not like the book, and it leaves out a bunch of big stuff in the actual that actual team anyway. I love the movie because I love when he says, you know, you guys aren't even looking at the problem. What am I not looking at the problem? I mean, not even looking at the problem. You know, right. Gus, what's the problem? And he goes down the list. What's the problem? No, that's not that's not what we're trying to do right now. And that's how I feel. The NFL is trying to fix the offensive problem. And I thought, you're not even looking at the problem. The problem right now is you have bad football teams coached by bad coaches who don't know what they're doing or are trying to be too smart and are limiting what they can do. Because every sport, and I said this before and I will continue to say it for the rest of my life because what I believe. Every sport that has an offense and a defense, 
no matter if it's fluid like hockey or football and chess like like football. It's maximize versus minimize. Maximize what you've got, minimize your weaknesses, and you should be able to win almost every game you play, period. If you are an offensive coach and you're not maximizing what you can do and minimizing your weaknesses, you're not doing your job. So when I see Russell Wilson standing in the pocket, you're not maximizing Russell Wilson. And if that's Russ saying, I'm not going to run, then you say, Russ, sorry to react, sorry to say, you're a bootleg guy. You're a guy we're going to move around the pocket because that's what you've done your entire career. Go back to Wisconsin, okay? So either you do what you're good at or you're not going to play or we're not going to call the, we're going to call those plays anyway and you're going to run them because I'm the coach. You do what I tell you to do because it doesn't make any sense to me why these coaches are, because again, my biggest issue is these coaches who are offensive guys are, I feel trying to get too smart because it is, you're, Taking optimal offense and trying to make it so optimal, you're then detracting. It's kind of you're trying to add by subtracting. You're trying to add by continuing to add. And you just can't do that sometimes. Sometimes you have to be simple. And Hackett said, the coach of the Denver Broncos, Daniel Hackett said, I'm going to try to simplify the offense. And that's the problem. Is yes, you should. Because every offense should be basically simple. It should be simple for you to know, but hard for the defense to understand. That's why I believe genuinely in football, and this will be my last point, you should run seven to eight formations. That's it. And you run everything out of those seven to eight formations because when you run the same when you run the same formation five plays in a row, I run five different plays. How is the defense gonna diagnose what you're trying to do when you have the same look, the same personnel, but five completely different plays? It's the same thing with a power play, Al. If you every time Ovi's on the ice, you try to feed him on that on that hash mark play, and he scores a lot of goals. He almost from it. scored last night. Actually, he hit the crossbar. Yeah, like he scores a lot from that play. But imagine they had a they had a cheat play where instead of passing it to Ovi, Ovi holds it, looks like he's going to shoot at a snap past the slot or quick up to the point, and they get another shot from it. It's you know what they you 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 know they know what you want to do, so you do something else to make them not react to it. Right. That's the point is you have to make them react. You have to make them respect what you're going to run to what you're actually going to run. Oh, there, and, you, there you go. And I, I just hate the way the NFL is running right now because I think there's so many bad coaches right now. It's unwatchable. It's, it's definitely unwatchable. Uh, definitely a rough year um, in the NFL right now, I think, in general. Like, I mean, there's some games that are – there's a lot of games that are disappointing. There are just a tr- there, garbage. Yeah, there's there's just – there's a lot of games that are disappointing. Obviously, the two-incident uh, – didn't help. Yeah. And now um, you got to worry about a roughing the passer call. Um, I'm assuming we're getting ready to wrap this up. So looking ahead, so we're in week six already. Yep, we are. Your 49ers are playing the Atlanta Falcons. Who you got? Crush them. Gonna crush them. You got them. Niners? All right, yeah, I got Niners too. Uh, Pats against the Cleveland Browns. I'm going to go Cleveland. Uh, Jets and Packers. I, the Pats? I like the Pats. You like the Pats? I, 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 Zappy. But Zappy looked really good the past couple weeks. Bailey Zappy, the third stringer. So I, I might take the Pats. All right. Uh, Jets and Packers? Packers. Packers. Yeah, me too. Colts and Jaguars. That one is going to be interesting in the sense that we don't know what we're going to get. Jacksonville's well, kind of been... I think the Colts are so bad they're going to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's my opinion. <laughs> I, I think the Colts are such a bad team. And no offense to Frank Reich, who I think is a good offensive mind. I just don't think that team's good enough. Make don't get me wrong. The, the Jaguars have definitely been interesting this year. I don't think they're, I don't think they're terrible, but I don't think they're, Any they're good. great either. Uh, Vikings and Dolphins. 
give me the Vikings. The Dolphins are their third stringer by now. So give me, the, give me the Vikings. Uh, Bengals and Saints. This should that should be an interesting one as well. I want to take the Bengals because they fixed some of their early early season woes. Yeah, I really but... like the Bengals too. I think they found. I think they're starting to find their game slowly. Um, Ravens and Giants. Ravens. Yeah, I think me too. Can't. It's hard to bet against uh, Lamar Jackson. Uh, Bucks and Steelers. Bucks. Steelers are really hurt. Mm-hmm. Carolina Panthers and the Los Angeles Rams. Rams. I literally was laying at that waiting for you to say it. Rams. All right, Panthers Rams. fired their quarterback. They're they're an awful team. They're cards. Team. Cards against the Seahawks. I'm gonna say Cardinals. Give me the Seahawks. Ooh. I trust. I I trust in Geno Smith. This next one here yeah, yeah, is gonna I'm be star- massive. I'm staring at it too. The Buffalo Bills and Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Josh Allen against Patrick Mahomes. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, there's not a whole lot of locks this season in the NFL. That's the one thing we've learned. There's not a whole lot of guarantees in life. But I can guarantee you, I don't care what the point differential is on any app you use to bet if you bet sports, bet the over on this football game for points total. Because this game is going to be a 40-40 to 40 shootout. And, oh, I, yeah. and I, I don't want to bet on either side, but I can tell you right now, this is going to be a shootout. Oh yeah, this it's gonna, is be, gonna be an absolute shootout. I'm gonna and go. I'm gonna go Bills. I'm gonna go Chiefs because I don't like the Bills. Oh, fair enough. I like Josh Allen. Uh, Cowboys and Eagles. Give me the Eagles. Yeah, Cowboys yeah, suck. Yeah. Cooper Rush can. The uh, one. Denver Broncos. Chargers and Chargers. Yeah, give, give, Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Give me the Chargers all day long. Alrighty, the so there you go. Are garbage. Those are those are the predictions uh, heading into what's going to be a busy week six. Hopefully some better football than what happened on Sunday oh, night the past geez. two weeks, dear Lord. <laughs> yeah, so we'll uh, we'll see about that. I'm, I'm probably going to watch that Bills and uh, Chiefs game. That, that's going to be a great one, I believe, if I'm going to take a make sure. That's actually not even the Monday or uh, the Sunday nighter. It is just an afternoon game. So that's just a 4, wow. 4.25 p.m. start. That's going to be a great game. It's only 4.25 start. The other games are at 4.05. But watch that. If you don't even, even if you don't like football, like Al, that Bills-Chiefs game should be an absolute shoot. Oh, yeah. And I can almost guarantee you, lock of the week, it's going to be an absolute shoot. I, I hope so. I hope you're right. I know you started off. Do you have anything? Are we no, good? I think we're, we're good? We're, we're, we're good. All right. Yeah, all right. So you started this off. I'm going to close this one off. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm just feeling good right now. Good. I'm feeling great. Yeah, you um, came in here a little cold, eh, Al? You came in here with a little bit of a cold. Jeez, man. It's not even funny. It came out of nowhere. Like it, it started off like Thanksgiving weekend, by the way, for if we have any American listeners. Yes, we celebrate Thanksgiving a lot earlier than you guys. I think it's weird that you guys celebrate it as late as whatever November, you guys do. Yeah, yeah November is kind of messed up. Um, but that's not the only thing that's messed up about you guys. But anyways. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that there. Leave that yeah, there. we'll leave that there. We'll pin that one up there. Um, yeah, and then it kind of like went away, and then all of a sudden just snuck right back up on me. So I was like, okay, like this sucks. Like I hate being sick; it doesn't happen often. So it's like you know, now it's just a little stuffy. That's all it is. But um, anyways, we talked about a lot. Talked a lot about hockey. It's back. Thank goodness for that because I miss talking about it. Uh, baseball uh, playoffs. It's only gonna get better. Uh, I'm gonna keep tabs on the Astros because Jordan Alvarez is on a tear right now. Um, talked a bit of junior hockey, surprisingly, which we didn't really plan. We didn't plan to do that. Didn't really that, plan that, that one. It just planned. it just went that way. And uh, and obviously football, uh, roughing the passer. Uh, not uh, Spencer's not a happy camper. But anyways, this has been sorry our fourth episode, episode four of the outrage. I'm Big Al Spencer Byers. We will talk to you when we can, because honestly, it's gonna get busy. We have a bunch of stuff coming up. So uh, outside of the podcast, so we'll see if we can get one done in the next few weeks.